Polls show the Democrats in serious, serious political trouble for 2022. Plus, Justin Trudeau calls people Nazis to justify his own authoritarianism. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Privacy is a right, not a privilege. Defend your rights at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one second. First, when it comes to cleaning your home, you want a cleaning product that is safe, effective, and affordable. And that really, really, really works. Okay, so here's the thing. My kids make my house dirty all the time, all the time. And I've come to rely in serious ways on Naturally It's Clean, a home cleaning company dedicated to providing the most effective cleaning products for your home while reducing the use of harmful chemicals. Their secret is powerful plant-based enzymes, nature's solution to cleaning. When I say powerful, I'm talking hospital-grade enzyme cleaning power. They have solutions for almost every need in the house, from the kitchen to the bathroom to the laundry room. Naturally It's Clean has a specialized formula to clean the area effectively. Their products speak for themselves, but I'm speaking for them right now because they are that good. Again, my kids make a mess on everything. And naturally, it's clean. It's like magic. It gets pretty much everything out of everything. I'm encouraging my listeners to start with four of their top products conveniently packaged together in their Daily Wire Essentials Kit. And for a limited time, my listeners can receive 15% off their order. Just enter promo code Ben at checkout when you visit naturallyitsclean.com slash Ben. Try these incredible products in your home today. Shipping is free. Everything is made right here in the United States. Again, Try our Naturally It's Clean Daily Wire 4-Pack today by going to naturallyitsclean.com slash Ben. Use promo code Ben to receive 15% off your purchase. Don't delay. Make the smarter, safer choice for your home cleaning needs today with Naturally It's Clean. We'll get to the news in a moment. First, I want to mention that tonight we are gathering for my third Thursday book club. If you haven't joined up yet, you really should do it because the third Thursday book club, it's not your average book club. We're not going to be discussing tawdry garbage written by Stacey Abrams. We're going to be experiencing the greatest books ever written together live. That means that last month we talked about 1984. This month we are talking about Huck Finn. These are the works that shaped Western literature, Western art and culture. I'm going to show you why. They still matter today. Third Thursday Book Club. It's a live experience. You get to engage directly with me on these books. And by the way, we've built these unbelievable, immersive, really cool sets. Wait till you see what we created for Huck Finn. That is the book that we will be discussing tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. If you didn't read Huck Finn, you should still join because I'm going to walk you through the plot. I'm going to walk you through the characters and you'll know a lot more about Huck Finn than you did before, which means that even if you didn't read it, you can still tell your friends you actually read it. Remember, you're doing all this with thousands of Daily Wire members live. And by the way, when you register, you also get my big essay on the on the book. You get a bunch of study questions. You get the cheat sheet. This is not like any book club you've been a part of before. So remember, Sign up for the Third Thursday Book Club at thirdthursdaybookclub.com. See you tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. I think it's one of the most important things we're doing. I really appreciate you joining up. Thirdthursdaybookclub.com to join us. All righty, so the Democrats are in serious political trouble come 2022. On the generic ballot right now, they're down anywhere from four to six points. That's wipeout territory. So remember, back in 2010, the Democrats were down only about two points, and they ended up just getting absolutely shellacked at the polls. Well, right now, the Democrats are trailing and it's going to get worse for them because many of the underlying issues that are cropping up for the 2022 election are not time bound. So Democrats seem to think that if inflation alleviates just a little before the elections, that that will save them. No, people have a memory. They think that if COVID wanes, if people unmask and go back to normal before the elections, people will forgive them for the last two years. Well, the tens of thousands of small business owners who lost their jobs are not going to, lost their life savings, that they're not going to. All the people who had to mask up their kids for two years are still pretty pissed off, pissed off about having to mask up their kids for two years. The memory is not going to fade. And the Democrats have turned everything into a culture war issue. So the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, they did an internal study looking at exactly the impact of their own positioning on a wide variety of issues. And what they found, and these numbers are shocking, is that if Democrats, this is according to Politico, if Democrats do not answer Republican hits, Party operatives warned the GOP's lead on the generic ballot balloons to 14 points from four. When voters heard a Democratic response to the hit, Republicans edge narrowed back down to six points. But here is the thing. Voters are not going to be just buying whatever Democrats have to sell because they've experienced this live in real time. We've all gotten to see what happens when Democratic policy is implemented in San Francisco and Los Angeles and Seattle, and New York and Chicago. We've all gotten to see what happens when the economy is trod underfoot by the inflation-creating spending of the Democratic Party. We've all gotten to see what happens inside classrooms when the Democrats' chief allies in the political sphere, the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers, get their way. We've all gotten to see all that up close and personal. And we are not going to forget that. That is not going to fade. The DCCC is basically now recommending to their own party members that they lie about their positioning. So, for example, they say 
that they feel like they're trailing with pretty much every demographic group except for black Americans at this point. They say that the GOP hits are most effective with center-left voters, independents, and Hispanic voters. That's pretty much everyone at this point. They say that the, the solution for the Democrats is that they have to basically fib about what it is that they are going to do. So, for example, when it comes to defund the police, they should respond that they actually support the police. Now, here's the thing. I don't have to believe the Democrats are all like Joe Biden in favor of defunding the police, right? I don't have to believe Biden's in favor of defunding the police to know that he doesn't like the police very much. Because Democrats have spent the last two years calling the police systemically racist and sicking Merrick Garland since Joe Biden's election onto local police departments. So you don't have to be pro-defund the police for me to understand the Democrats are not the party of the police. Now they're, they're getting slammed on immigration right now. They say, well, you know, we're for border security. No, they're not. In what way? I don't have to believe the Democrats are full pro-open borders in order to understand that Democrats are extraordinarily soft on illegal immigration and that they're totally unconcerned with the hundreds of thousands of people who've been attempting to get into the country over the course of the last year. I don't have to believe that they take the most extreme position to know how they are generally oriented. Democrats are cruising for a massive bruising here, particularly in purple districts, which is why you have seen 30 Democrats retire. I was listening to my friend John Podhoritz on the Commentary Magazine podcast yesterday, and he was noting that this is seismic in implication in terms of how many Democrats are retiring. He said in 1992, right before the Republican wave that put Republicans in charge of the House of Representatives for the first time in decades, 40 Democrats retired. And that was because they were all involved in this House banking scandal. But there's no scandal right now. Democrats are just retiring because they can see what is coming. And this is prompting Democrats to look at Joe Biden and say, you, start, you need to start taking heads. You need to start capping your own people. And there needs to be some leadership changes up top. Coming up, more from NBC News about how Joe Biden's administration is failing and maybe he needs to fire some people. Yeah, it's getting good. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, you've heard me talk about the Ring video doorbell for a long time now, right? I want to know who's at my front door. But here is the thing. Ring doesn't just do the video doorbell. They also do Ring Alarm, which is great because very often, I don't know what the heck is going on in my house. And if I wake up very early with my kids and suddenly the alarm goes off, usually it's my kids opening the door. But what about that one time that it isn't? I want to make sure that my home is safe. Here's the thing. Ring Alarm, it's an award-winning home security system with available professional monitoring. Best of all, you can easily install it yourself. I did it myself. It is simple to set up. It is easy to use. I got all of the sensors for motion, doors, and windows that will work on any house or apartment like yours. I get notified right on my phone whenever anything is detected, and that's why I've partnered with Ring. So, like me, with Ring Alarm, you and your loved ones can rest easy knowing that Ring is helping to protect your home. It's more than just security. It can add sensors that help protect your home from flood, freeze, and fire as well. My favorite part? Professional monitoring gives the ultimate peace of mind. It's part of a Ring Protect subscription. There are no long-term commitments. If anything happens, professional monitoring will call you and can request emergency services. Best of all, Ring's professional monitoring is an amazing deal. You get award-winning professional monitoring for less money than most professional alarm companies. Ring has an award-winning alarm. Head on over to ring.com forward slash Ben today to get a great deal on that Ring Alarm home security kit today. That is ring.com forward slash Ben. According to NBC News, there's a growing sense among Democrats it's time for a change of course at the White House whether that means new strategy or new staffers. On the political front, Joe Biden's numbers aren't getting better. His message is not resonating. His party's midterm prospects are bleak. On policy, his Build Back Better plan is dead. COVID is alive and inflation is rising. This, by the way, is a reported story by Jonathan Allen and Natasha Karecki. This is not an opinion piece by me. His message isn't resonating. And yes, Build Back Better is dead. And yes, COVID is alive. And yes, inflation is rising. If you look at those approval ratings right now for, for Joe Biden, they're in the high 30s or low 40s at best for Joe Biden. There are certain polls that have him down in the mid 30s. Civics put out state by state polls the other day, and it showed that there were about four states where Joe Biden is overwater. He's underwater in California. He's underwater in New Jersey. He's underwater in New York. The only places he's overwater right now are Maryland, which is basically Washington, D.C., Hawaii, because everybody's just like, eh, Hawaii's great. I mean, well, what's, what's the problem? Vermont, where Bernie Sanders is a senator, and Massachusetts, or Elizabeth Warren is a senator. So that's it. I mean, those are the only places that like Joe Biden. According to NBC News, if Biden does not take a new tax soon, it may be impossible for him to deliver for the public, help his party in November, or move an agenda in the final three years of his term. According to a dozen lawmakers, White House officials, and veteran Democratic parties, party operatives who spoke to NBC News about their concerns. Representative Stephanie Murphy, Democrat of Florida, a co-chair of the centrist Blue Dog Coalition, says a sign of a good leader and a successful executive is to identify the policies or personnel choices that have not resulted in success and make necessary course corrections because it's too important not to. Now, Murphy should know, since Florida has turned strongly red over the course of the last four years, 
Florida went from being in 2016 a state that Donald Trump won by 100,000 votes to a state that Donald Trump won by 400,000 votes. Ron DeSantis won his last gubernatorial election by about 30,000 votes. He's going to win this gubernatorial election by approximately infinite, infinity votes. People have not yet been born who will vote for Ron DeSantis over Nikki Fareed or whoever the Democrats put up. This state has turned wildly red, and it's because the Democrats lost their minds. According to NBC News, while only a handful of Democrats have called for heads to roll in the White House, there's broad agreement within the party. Biden cannot keep doing the same things and expect different results. Suggestions range from picking a handful of high-stakes fights with Republicans to elevating cabinet secretaries to altering his inner circle by addition, subtraction, or both. A member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus said the U.S. exit from Afghanistan and COVID have led voters to question a key component of Biden's campaign sales, campaign trail sales pitch, that his team would be competent. Well, yes, I mean, Democrats across the country are starting to recognize that the people they vote for are not competent. This was the story in San Francisco where the school board basically just got recalled. They got recalled because of their lack of competence, not because the voters are not sympathetic to their progressivism, but because the progressivism and the incompetence seem to go hand in hand. That is, not a, that is not an illusion, and it's not a shock. Progressive values believe that government can shape culture top down. They believe that government is the solution to all problems, and so they make a promise that will always go unfulfilled. They will be good at running the basic services, and they will also be able to do so much more. But the more things government does, the worse it does all of them. Progressivism and progressive values are deeply tied into failure on a political level. One lawmaker said that they should get rid of Ron Klain. That lawmaker said Biden's the star quarterback. You can't fire the star quarterback. You start looking at the head coach and the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. Fairly or unfairly in a situation like this, you start looking at the person who's in the chief of staff position. That progressive lawmaker pointed to three moments last year describing them as strategic failures by the White House. After months of fellow Democrats berating Senator Joe Manchin, for example, for failing to make his positions known on Build Back Better, it was revealed that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer had signed a document Manchin had recorded his priorities for the legislation. Biden traveled twice to Capitol Hill to meet with House Democrats, only to decline to ask them to vote for his infrastructure measure. There was no strategy. That put the president in a horrible, horrible situation. Biden can never fail. He can only be failed, according to Democrats. But what would he expect them to do? Biden's the elected president. They can't force him to resign. And if they did, the next person in line is the even more incompetent, even more unpopular, just horrifyingly terrible Kamala Harris. The top of the administration, which is Klain, Deputy Chief of Staff Bruce Reed, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Advisors Mike Donilon, Steve Reschetti, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, they've done a terrible job, but they're likely not to be fired. All of the establishment Democrats, of course, want to keep these people, but again, they're, they're, the, the Democrats are starting to panic and they are looking for, for people to fire. They're looking for people. This, okay, it's not the staff. The problem is the party. The problem is that you guys have bought into a perverse view of the way government ought to work and now you're stuck. And you're seeing this all over the world, by the way, is that left-wing leaders bought into a premise about how the world works and now they're stuck. And this means that they have to get more combative, more authoritarian. Our neighbors to the north are the best example of this. So Justin Trudeau, who definitely is not Fidel Castro's son, stop that right now. I know they look identical. I know his mom was in Cuba, maybe stripping Fidel Castro like eight and a half months before Justin was born, but stop it. They're not related. Justin Castro, sorry, Justin Trudeau is not Fidel Castro's son. You stop that right now. Stop, stop thinking it. Stop thinking. So Justin Trudeau has a new thing that he likes to do. When I say new, I mean not new. His new thing is that he, he likes to say that anyone who opposes him is a Nazi, which is why he needs an enabling act passed and, and effectuated within Canada. So yesterday, a member of an opposing party who happens to be Jewish and whose parents were apparently Holocaust survivors, uh, got, got up and was talking about how Justin Trudeau refuses to allow people to live normal lives in Canada. And Justin Trudeau's answer to this was, well, I mean, you are, you are, a, you are a Nazi. You are a Nazi. Conservative party members can stand with people who wave swastikas. Point of order, uh, the honorable member for Thornhill. Mr. Speaker, I am a strong Jewish woman and a member of this house and a descendant of Holocaust survivors, and I have never made to, I've, it's never been singled out, and I have never been made to feel less, except for today when the Prime Minister accused me of standing with swastikas. I think he owes me an apology. I'd like an apology, and I think he owes an apology to all members of this house. Members of the Conservative Party can can stand with swastikas. They can stand with... Okay, now, I have a question. How many of them were actually standing with swastikas? Can you name one? He can't, because that's a lie. But this is the general tenor for members of the left. We need absolute power. Oh, you mean we failed? You gave us absolute power when we failed? Well, what if you gave us more power? And if you oppose our power, what if we run you down and attempt to destroy you? Okay, in just one second, we'll get to the fact that 
While Justin Trudeau is cracking down harder, many other premiers are not doing it the same. They were actually reversing their COVID policies. First, I've been talking to you for a while about a podcast you really should give a listen to. I'm talking about the Jordan Harbinger Show. It's a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. Don't just ignore this suggestion to listen to this one, like you probably do with some of your other friends who tell you you got to listen to a podcast. I'm just, I'm telling you right now, you need to listen to Jordan's show. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people from athletes to authors to scientists to mobsters to spies. We're talking about everybody from Dan Carlin to Kobe Bryant to Oliver North, Scott Adams. He's got an episode for everybody. Harbinger has an undeniable talent for getting his guests to share never been heard stories before and thought provoking insights. Without fail, he pulls out tactical bits of wisdom in each episode, all with the noble cause to make you more informed, more critical, and you get more information. There just isn't a better podcast to listen to casually. You might even expand your worldview. He's got a strangely relatable weekly segment called Feedback Friday, where Jordan covers advice on everything from psycho family situations to relationships to networking. It's always fascinating. I don't always agree with Jordan. Doesn't matter. His show's always a great listen. You can't go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, here's the amazing thing. In Canada, as I've been saying, all the, all the provinces, basically, except for maybe British Columbia, are starting to, to actually loosen their COVID restrictions in pretty serious ways. So, for example, the Ontario Premier, Doug Ford, he said the world is done with COVID restrictions. We're finished here. Where do you think the protests are happening? They're happening in Ottawa, which is in Ontario. <laughs> Here's Doug Ford. This is about, again, the democracy and freedoms and liberties. And I hate as a government telling anyone what to do. We just got to get moving forward and, and get out of this and protect the jobs. You know, we're, I think a lot of people call them, probably yourself too, everyone's done with us. Like we are done with it. Let's, let's start moving on and cautiously and, you know, we, we've, we've followed the rules, all of us, like 90% of us, for, for over two years. The world's done with it. So let's just move forward. Okay, well, the first thing you should do, Doug, is turn around and tell the, the idiots behind you to unmask, take off their N95s, everything's fine. Okay, but instead, what the media are doing is they are now running down everyone who donated to the Freedom Convoy. So we've already seen in Canada, and this is a, 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 a very frightening precursor to what happens across the West. It's so funny. Whenever you predict what's going to happen in the United States based on what's happening in the UK or Canada, people on the left get upside. Well, we're not, we're not going to do that. Yes, you will. You're liars. Yes, you will. I don't believe you. Because all of your compatriots in very similarly situated countries are doing this sort of stuff. If you had your way, you would do exactly the same thing. This is why, as we'll get to when it comes to schooling, I've been deeply fearful for years at this point that many of the measures that have been taken in Canada and the UK to crack down on, for example, how traditionally conservative parents raise their children would be brought to the United States. You wouldn't just see indoctrination in classrooms. Eventually, you'd get to the point in left-wing areas where Child Protective Services shows up at your door if you want to teach your kids about traditional values. And I say that because they're already doing that in places like Canada. They're already cracking down on religious freedom in places like the UK. I think if the left had its way in the United States, they would do the same thing because I don't see any substantive philosophical differences between the American left and the Canadian and UK left, for example. So what's happening in Canada does have implications for the United States, and it is scary. It's not just that they have apparently now made the entire banking system subject to the whims of Justin Trudeau, who can find everybody who's not just Fidel's son, and also believes that everyone is um, standing alongside people who are Nazis. It's like mini, he's like a crossing Bernie Sanders, Nancy Pelosi, and, uh, and, and Derek Zoolander. But the... the the next thing that they're doing is they're sticking the media on donors. Now, again, this has happened in the United States already. This happened by Prop 8 in California. Proposition 8, which was a, a measure that was passed in California in 2008 to enshrine traditional marriage as the law of the land in California. Donors were tracked down by so-called journalists who are actually just activists in order to target them for destruction. Now we're seeing the same thing with the Freedom Convoy. So, for example, according to City News in Toronto, Ontario's Solicitor General Sylvia Jones's Director of Communications is no longer employed after recently donating 100 bucks to the convoy protest that had paralyzed Canada's capital for over two weeks. A spokesperson for Premier Doug Ford confirmed that Marianne Isabel Ringuet no longer works for the Ontario government. We're not commenting any further, as this is a staffing matter, said Ivani Yelich, Ford's Executive Director of Media Relations, on Tuesday. It was revealed that Isabel Ringuet donated 100 bucks to an online fundraiser created by an organizer of anti-mandates and anti-government protests on February 5th. The donation was made under the initials MR, but her identity was confirmed based on the email address and postal code linked to the offering. So she lost her job because she donated 100 bucks, a whopping $100 to the Freedom Convoy. And now 
We have the Washington Post and Reuters who are piggybacking on hacked information of give, send, go donors in order to track these people down and essentially dox them and make them public figures. And this goes back a ways. If you are somebody who crosses the left, they will track you down and they will ruin your life. This, this originally happened in 2008, I think, with, with Joe the Plumber, Joe Wurzelbacher. Remember, he had the temerity to ask Barack Obama a question about his economic plan. And this led to Joe the Plumber being targeted by the entire media. Was he really a plumber? Did he own a plumbing business? What was his real name? And so now they're doing this with, with people who donated to the Freedom Convoy. The Washington Post, according to Mediaite, has written extensively about the hack data, including names of donors, and has emailed individuals to ask why they donated. Now, I was told that Hunter Biden, material on Hunter Biden could not be posted on social media, couldn't be posted on Twitter, Facebook, because that was hacked material. You wouldn't want hacked material trafficked around unless it's hacked material you find valuable in your activism, in which case the Washington Post will simply follow up on. It's just journalism, guys. It's just journalism. This is how journalism is done now. You have an activist do a thing, a thing that is really bad. And then the media use that as the predicate to report on that thing and make it a public issue. By the way, this is exactly what happened with the, with the Steele dossier P-tape nonsense. What happened there is that James Comey, in order to create a predicate for reporting, went to Donald Trump and told him about the Steele dossier. And then that fact was leaked to the media, which immediately, through BuzzFeed, revealed the entire Steele dossier, which was just a compendium of lies and crap. Did an activist do an action in James Comey? That was leaked to the press. And then the press said, oh, hey, hey, now it's newsworthy. Now we can report on this. They're doing the same thing now with the hacked material on Freedom Convoy donors. Verified Twitter users from the Post and other outlets have shared the names and email addresses of those donors directly in tweets. Reuters is publishing names online along with access to the list. The CBC and other Canadian press have published names and contacted doxed individuals. Journalist and podcaster Sagar Jetty is one of multiple people reporting on emails allegedly sent from unnamed Washington Post staff. And he included a, a screenshot in, the, in, in, in one of his tweets. It said, my name is blank. I'm a reporter at the Washington Post. I'm writing about the leaked data on give, send, go contributions to the trucker convoy in Canada. Your name and email address are associated with a $40 contribution. Could you please tell me if this matches your records and either call or reply to this email or share what motivated you to contribute to the campaign? It's not just the Washington Post that's been doing this. Canadian press have been doing this as well. At this point, you have now become an arm of the government. When, when, you, are, when you are using hacked material that the government would not have the capacity to punish you for. And then you are tracking those people down on behalf of governmental interests like Justin Trudeau. This is scary stuff. The, the Democrat media complex, the left-wing media complex in Canada or in the UK, it's extraordinarily dangerous. These are activists masquerading as journalists. They are not a free press. They're a press that acts at the behest of the people in power, so long as those people in power are on the left wing. And this has real consequences. So for example, Ottawa Citizen is now reporting that Ottawa's Stella Luna Gelato Cafe was forced to close Tuesday after receiving threats when owner Tammy Giuliani's name appeared on a hacked list of give, send, go donors to the Ottawa Freedom Convoy. Giuliani says she now regrets making her $250 donation on February 5th and that staff in the shop had begun receiving threats Monday morning after her donation was posted on Twitter. We got a call from the team saying we're getting phone calls here, Giuliani said. I said, what's going on? They said they're threatening to throw bricks through our window. They're threatening to come and get us. We said, lock the door and we'll find out what's going on. Giuliani said she ordered the shop closed and staff to go home for their own safety. She said she intended to report the threats to police. Now, where's Justin Trudeau on this? People threatening business owners for the great crime of giving money to a cause that he doesn't particularly like? He'll talk about threats of violence and harassment and intimidation, but only when it's coming from so-called truckers. When it's coming from people threatening and a cafe owner, then I guess he has nothing to say. Giuliani confirmed she made the donation. She said she had no idea about what she thought was a peaceful grassroots movement and what it would become. So they had to shame her. They had to make her apologize. And now that she's apologized, this means she's probably okay. If, if the media and, and the government can bully people into not supporting causes that Justin Trudeau doesn't like, then this is somehow supposed to fix the problem. Now, here's the thing. It's not going to fix the problem. Justin Trudeau is in serious political trouble in Canada, as he should be. He's acting in authoritarian ways. Most Canadians are not opposed to vax mandates. They're not opposed to mask mandates. But I still have faith that most Canadians are not in favor of the, of the federal government of Canada having the ability to shut down all banking services for anyone it suspects of disagreeing with it. That is not a good principle. In the United States, the same thing is happening. You still have the left attempting to determine whether they want to double down or whether they want to arm up to implement their authoritarian nonsense with regard to COVID. 
Okay, in just one second, I have to say, it's kind of fun to watch all of the people on CNN saying the same stuff I've been saying for two years. They're still allowed to say it, but I'm not. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, you may have noticed that Justice Breyer recently stepped down from the Supreme Court. What you might not know is that he did so in large part because he was being pressured by hardcore left-wing groups to do so before the midterm elections. Our friends over at Judicial Crisis Network are raising the alarm about the role dark money groups are playing in the effort to get a radical appointed to the Supreme Court. At the very top is a group called Arabella Advisors Network. They fund a lot of far-left groups, including Demand Justice. The New York Post reported that Demand Justice ran a bullying campaign against Breyer, using their resources to force him into retirement. They even went so far as to drive a mobile billboard around the Supreme Court that said, Breyer, retire. It's time for a black woman Supreme Court justice. There's no time to waste. And Breyer listened. Well, now they're pouring a ton of money into getting a radical left-wing Supreme Court nominee who will serve as a rubber stamp for their unpopular far-left agenda. The Judicial Crisis Network is calling them out with a big ad campaign designed to shine a light on liberal dark money groups and their plans to transform America. You can find out more on Twitter at Judicial Network or at JudicialNetwork.com. These dark money groups have flown under the radar for far too long. Judicial Network is doing an excellent job. Judicial Crisis Network, they're doing a great job at calling them out. Check them out on Twitter at Judicial Network or at JudicialNetwork.com. So the worm has absolutely turned in the United States. Hey, in the United States, people no longer have a taste for the continuation of these COVID measures. Things are being said on CNN that I can't say. So I'm going to try to avoid that today. I'm not going to say the thing that this Dr. Jonathan Reiner says on CNN. I'm not going to tell you what he says. I'm just going to let him say it. Because if I say it, it's bad. But if he says it on CNN, it's totally fine. This is a professor of medicine and surgery at GW. If you want to wear a mask now, you should wear either an N95, a KN95, or a KF94, uh, mostly from, from Korea. Those three mask types are extraordinarily protective against uh, uh, acquiring uh, COVID. A cloth mask, particularly a loose cloth mask or a bandana, you know, worn loosely around the face is fashion. Every person should be, and, and, and look, it made sense when N95 masks were difficult to come by or they were expensive, but that's not the case now. And CDC should firmly state that if you're gonna wear a mask, KN95, N95, or KF94. Now, I didn't say it, he said it, fashion. Fashion. Okay, so for two years, you've been fashion masking small children and pretending that this does anything. Yeah, that, that's, that's been your take. By the way, they're still not letting go. They're still not, because they can't let go. Because they trained a group of people in the United States to be paranoid lunatics who believe in faith masking. This is what, they, they're, gonna have a, they're gonna have a problem with this. They really are. Rochelle Walensky yesterday, she signaled that maybe it's time for masking to start coming to an end. Maybe, may, you know, there may come a time where the caseload is so low. I, I'm sorry, this is absurd. The, the caseload is never going to be that low because the reality is that COVID is now endemic, as we knew it would be for the last two years. Here's Rochelle Walensky. We want to give people a break from things like mask wearing when these metrics are better and then have the ability to reach for them again should things worsen. If and when we update our guidance, we will communicate that clearly and it will be based on the data and the science. However, it's also important to remember, regardless of the level of disease burden in your community, there are still very important times to continue to wear your mask. Okay, um, no, 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 no. By the way, she's the guidance that the CDC is still providing, they're saying 97% of places around the country still have high enough levels of COVID that everybody should be masked up still. They're, they're, they're just, it's a complete disconnect. Meanwhile, it's a disconnect between Walensky and the White House. So Jeff Zenz came out yesterday, the so-called COVID expert over at the White House. And in front of Ostrowalensky and Anthony Fauci, he said that we're reaching the point where COVID is no longer a crisis. What do you mean reaching, dude? On a public policy level, COVID has not been a crisis since the vaccines were available because they've remained durable against hospitalization and death since they were issued. End of story. But here he is saying a thing. I mean, I wonder how Fauci and Walensky feel about this, considering that they're still out there spinning around like tops trying to figure out what to say next. As a result of all this progress and the tools we now have, we're moving toward a time when COVID isn't a crisis, but is something we can protect against and treat. The president and our COVID team are actively planning for this future. As we look forward, we'll continue to enhance the powerful set of tools that we have at our disposal. Vaccines, booster shots, tests, and treatments. We'll keep protecting our most vulnerable, including the immunocompromised. A vaccine for our youngest kids is on the horizon. And as always, we'll prepare for the potential of any new variant. And they're a joke. I'm sorry, they're just a joke at this point. Immediately and protect people. They're, 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 and protect people. Yeah, uh, more people have died under this administration with vaccines available than died under Donald Trump. By the way, Walensky apparently in private 
is no closer to letting schools drop masks than they are in public, is according to Robbie Soav reporting for Reason Magazine. He obtained some actual undercover audio of the CDC talking about this. They, they do not have the American people on their side. I mean, when Adam Silver is starting to ask about New York City's vax mandates, you got a problem. So Adam Silver is the commissioner of the China-run NBA. And here he was yesterday asking about the vax mandates in New York City, saying, I don't understand why we're still doing this. The oddity of it to me is that it only applies to home players. I mean, I think if we're, if, if, if ultimately that rule is about protecting people who are in the arena, it just doesn't quite make sense to me that an away player who's unvaccinated can play in Barclays, but the home player can't. Well, correct, of course. None of this makes any sense. Even MSNBC is beginning to say, yeah, you know what? We may have gone down the wrong path here. Commentators on MSNBC yesterday were saying that Democrats made mask wearing a part of their political identity. Now they have a problem. This is Alex Seitzwald, who's actually one of the better reporters, used to be at Salon.com over at MSNBC. Here he is. I think there's going to be a challenge for a lot of Democratic leaders to get their base comfortable with the idea of going back to normal. I mean, for the past two years, so much of the identity of what it meant to be a, a Democrat, to, to follow the science, was tied up in masking and following these rules and regulations. And uh, if you didn't do that, you were, you know, a bad person. You were Ron DeSantis. You were you were a denier. Mm. So now uh, these Democratic leaders need to get their base comfortable with unwinding all of that. Correct. And it's not just the base. Everyone's going to remember this. Everyone remembers the hypocrisy. So Democrats, again, are hoping that people forget all of this. They, they forget the past few years that they have Joe Biden type short term amnesia. They start having problems with, with memory and then maybe the, the American people will forget about it. Well, that, that it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And they're going to get absolutely shellacked because guess what? This is a continuing problem. This is not just a problem of yesterday. It's not like Democrats suddenly realized how to govern, but they realize that people need to be left alone. They, they'll, they'll never realize this. We'll get to that in the context of education in just a second, because the Democrats attempt to, to switch, the Democrats attempt to hide. It's too late, guys. We've all seen behind the curtain. You can't unsee it. The great and powerful Oz does not exist. Okay, it's just a con man behind a curtain. And we've all seen it. We can't unsee it. All righty, in just one second, we'll get to the radical agenda of the left, because it's not just their bad governance that Americans are noticing. It's that we, we now know what you are seeking to do, guys. And it's really, really bad. First, now is the time to refi your mortgage, like right now, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, now. That's because rates are rising sooner than we thought. I cannot stress this enough. You need to call American Financing and lock into a lower rate right now. They can help make it happen today before it's too late. I mean, you already know that inflation is at 7.5% and growing. It's actually, that was 7.5% in like December. Now it's at 9 point something percent. Rates are going to continue to go up because of it. You need to take action while they are still near historic lows. It really could mean up to a thousand bucks in monthly savings and tens of thousands long-term. You need to call American Financing right now because their only goal is to create a custom loan that serves your needs. It really is a no-pressure experience focused on you. They never charge upfront or hidden fees. So why not learn more? If you like what you hear, you can pre-qualify for free and you could close in as fast as 10 days. 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300 or visit AmericanFinancing.net and MLS 182334 and Again, check them out, 866-721-3300 or AmericanFinancing.net to get started. Get your mortgage refi today because the rates are probably going to go up tomorrow. Right now is the time, AmericanFinancing.net. All righty, as I said earlier, the second gathering for my book club kicks off tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. So unless you are a very fast reader, you should have already joined the book club at thirdthursdaybookclub.com. Signed up as a Daily Wire member to get my notes and my guide for tonight's discussion. February's book of choice is Adventures of Huck Finn, a classic by Mark Twain, of course. Remember, sign up for the book club at thirdthursdaybookclub.com because we're going to be announcing a new book tonight for next month, for March. Daily Wire members get my full notes and the guide to each month's book. And then on the third Thursday of each month, I sit down with you. It's a beautiful set. I mean, we built an amazing set for the Huck Finn episode. I talk with the All Access members online, in-depth lecture and discussion. You can ask me questions directly. We'll go back and forth on all of this. I am pumped to hang out and discuss Huck Finn with you tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central over at dailywire.com. By the way, it makes a fantastic gift for a high school or college student. Or if you just need to fake it, like you've read all these books, it's still a great gift. ThirdThursdayBookClub.com, go check it out. Also, if you haven't yet seen our brand new film, Shut In, over here at The Daily Wire, you need to change that, like right now. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Get a membership, start streaming today. It is streaming exclusively for Daily Wire members. It's very popular with the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Seriously, go subscribe today. We are creating more and more great entertainment content that doesn't slap you in the face with a leftist agenda. That is because of you guys. Hollywood has billions of bucks in, in funding to make whatever left-wing propaganda they want. We have you. We need your help to combat 
the alternatives, which I'll hate your guts. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe today so you can watch Shut In or Hyperions, which comes out next month, or Gina Carano's new movie out this summer. The trailer looks just fantastic. Also, tomorrow is a great day for The Daily Wire. Why? Well, we are releasing our brand new show, The Enemy Within. This docuseries features acclaimed journalist and expert in national threats, Lee Smith. He uncovers just how far the CCP's infiltration of America goes and a political coup orchestrated by ruling elites to generate their own wealth and power at the expense of the American people's safety and freedom. From Anthony Fauci to our educational system to Hollywood and everything in between, every episode will take you deep into the heart of what is going on behind the scenes. What those who are supposed to be protecting you don't actually want you to know. Here's a bit of the trailer. What if everything we think we know about our leaders, our society, and our relations with the rest of the world is wrong? America is facing two major challenges. One is the Chinese Communist Party. However, the most significant threat comes from within. You're trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world. Okay. Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about. We've already seen evidence of how the elites want to run the United States. They're modeling themselves after Chinese autocracy. For over a decade, the People's Republic of China has stood publicly accused of acts of cruelty and wickedness that match the cruelty and wickedness of medieval torturers and executioners. Diane Feinstein had a Chinese spy as her driver for 20 years. We're not talking about one person infiltrating senior levels at the CIA or the White House. We're talking about an entire elite class throughout the political, corporate, academic, cultural, and media establishment. My name is Lee Smith. I've been a journalist for more than 30 years. This is the most astonishing espionage and infiltration operation in history. What you're going to see in this series will shock you. This is The Enemy Within. The Enemy Within starts streaming this Friday, February 18th, exclusively at The Daily Wire. So if you're not a member, now is the time to change that. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe to join us today. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Again, for the Democrats, I guess the idea is that if we all experience short-term memory loss, then we'll forget how bad they are in pretty much everything. So this is the plan in San Francisco, where the San Francisco mayor, London Breed, who's just been a disaster. The, the, the promise is not a, a chicken in every pot. The, the, the promise in, in San Francisco is either pot in every chicken or poop on every street corner. So London Breed, she tried to take the lead in recalling a bunch of San Francisco school board members. Now she's claiming that, you know, we fixed it. We fixed it. It's all better. Don't worry, schooling in San Francisco will be fine now. Yeah, no, it won't. No, it won't. Because your priorities were never in line and they remain not in line. Unfortunately, the failure to educate our kids properly throughout this pandemic is, I think, what many parents were frustrated over and seeing their children go from these, you know, talkative, robust personalities to all of a sudden you know, quiet and uncomfortable and just different has been really, I think, a breaking point for a lot of families in San Francisco. You did this. You and your friends did this. And you can pretend that you were ready to stab them in the back, but you were on board with all this garbage. And it's amazing how she switched it. Like, we all remember how you were partying maskless while all the children were masked up. And then you were saying that the spirit moved you, Mayor Breed. I mean, I don't have to remember. You can go down to the stores in San Francisco and watch people cart off shopping bags filled with loot while the police are hamstrung. You just go down to the, the streets and see open needles lying around. You go to the public parks and see how they're completely overrun by homeless folks over in San Francisco. And we're supposed to believe that suddenly you fixed the problem. You didn't fix the problem because your priorities are all screwed up. And here's the thing. It's not just what you're doing today. It's what we think that you're going to do tomorrow. And when it comes to our kids, the parents' movement is very real and it is not going away. I know the left wishes for the parents' movement to go away. I know that they wish for radical social activists to be able to indoctrinate children without anyone looking over their shoulder. They get to make all the social standards lest someone, God forbid, be offended. But guess what? Parents are not going to let up on the, on the oversight here. They're, they're not going to give up on what their kids learn in school because we can all see it happening. All this stuff is now being exposed for everyone to see. Again, it starts in places overseas like the UK 
or across the border like in Canada, but it doesn't stay there. I mean, over in the UK right now, we now have students being told to stop calling teachers Mr. and Mrs. According to the National Education Union over in Britain, British teachers are now being told that students should not refer to them as Mr. and Mrs. in order to foster a gender-free education model. This is according to Breitbart reporting. Dr. Ellie Barnes told educators in a lecture entitled Getting the Language Right for 2022 that pupils should use gender-neutral terms such as teacher when in the classroom. The 90-minute webinar from Dr. Barnes, a copy of which was obtained by the UK Telegraph, went on to advocate for classrooms to abandon other gender-specific terms like boys, girls, son, and mother in favor of alternatives like students, pupils, child, and parent. During the lecture, Dr. Barnes introduced a code of conduct to be introduced at the start of term and said those who disagreed with the far-left agenda should be barred from the school. The Educate and Celebrate chief also said schools should be introducing gender-free uniforms, saying don't say a boy's fit or a girl's fit. The charity's website boasts thousands of nurseries, primary schools, secondary schools, colleges, and businesses have signed up for their Pride in Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Award. Okay, and, and this sort of stuff is happening all over the world. This is, this is not restricted to what's happening in Britain, where they are recommending how to transform your school into an LGBT plus friendly place. Right? It's not just in Britain or in Canada. It's happening here in the United States. It's starting in some of these woke independent private schools, but it's not going to remain there because it never does. So Breitbart obtained exclusive footage from the National Association of Independent Schools. And National Association of Independent Schools had a flagship conference in 2020 with an hour-long training workshop. And it featured discussions about how to talk to kids about gender, sexuality, and identity. And they've released clips of this of the NIIS. Okay, now this is what the teachers unions across the country would like rammed into public schools as well. So this is not restricted to the sort of stuff that uh, that you get at Crossroads School in Los Angeles. Just recognize this is what the left would like. And they would like to do this at points of gun if they could get away with it because they have no problem with using government force. Everything, according to the left, is either compulsory or banned. Those are the only two categories. Everything not compulsory is forbidden. Okay, so here are some of the clips from this piece of educational content produced by a, an NAIS conference contractor. This one talking about the everybody tool and how it should be introduced to small, small children. With the younger children starting in pre-K, we talk about their bodies, about the parts that they were born with, um, about penises and vaginas and whether that makes somebody a boy or a girl but also their feelings. What do they feel like inside? Do they feel like a boy or a girl? What does their head say? Don't worry, it won't enter the schools. I mean, they're just training teachers to actually put this in the schools, but, but don't worry, this won't enter the schools. Here's a recommendation on, on what should be taught to pre-K kids. We're talking about pre-K would be like four-year-olds. I had been given a title to a book, so I went to our school library to pull it. And I pulled it thinking I had the right one. I didn't. Um, and I read through, I'm like, this is really progressive stuff. But it was my first year, so I'm like, okay, we're just super progressive. So I went in there guns blazing, and I just went for it. And I ended up talking about the vulva and the labia with pre-cares. And it was just one of those moments. Everybody's looking in horror, and I'm like, oh, no, I made a really big mistake. Well, I mean, but the fact that she even thought that that was remotely remotely acceptable demonstrates, she, I mean, you can listen to the woman who's preaching this, right? I just thought it was really progressive. If they thought they could get away with it, they would get away with it. And she, it, was, it was only when people started, look, okay, more of us need to look on in horror at what they are attempting to teach small children. It's crazy. Here's what they're recommending to teach second graders. Okay, my daughter is in second grade. My daughter is currently eight years old. She just turned eight. Okay, this is what they would like to teach to seven, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds in schools. By second grade, we move on explicitly to gender identity and talk about it again in terms of your head and your heart and your body parts matching up. And does that work for you? What happens if it doesn't? What are the other parts of you that have to do with your gender identity? And what are the parts of you that don't? And the kids draw wonderful self-portraits again, um, but dealing with all aspects of their identity. These are folks who are indoctrinating children in sexual fluidity at the age of seven or eight. This is what they want. Okay, don't, don't let them pretend this isn't what they want. This is what they want. They want to teach your kids the way they want to teach your kids, and you're supposed to have no say. And if you protest, then this makes you a bigot, according to them. We're not going to forget all this. I mean, honestly, I'd love to see any Democratic candidate asked about this sort of stuff. Do you disagree? Really, let's, let's get you on the record, because this seems like fairly obvious stuff. 
get a Democratic candidate in a purple district to announce whether they agree or disagree that gender identity should be taught to six-year-olds. I mean, first of all, gender identity shouldn't be taught to anybody because it's a bunch of anti-scientific bullcrap. But certainly it should not be taught to six, seven, eight-year-olds. And yet this is precise. The left knows they have to get them at six, seven, or eight because otherwise their brains might develop such that they know that this is stupidity. Kids are extraordinarily docile at six or seven years old when it comes to imbibing stupidity and then and then believing it. The left knows this, which is why this is the age group that they are aiming at. You go to a bunch of 30-year-olds who've already been living in the world for a while, and you say a boy can be a girl, most of them will look at you cross-eyed unless they've already been indoctrinated with this garbage in college. Okay, here is a, one more clip of the National Association of Independent Schools sexual material training for young kids. Gender identity is how you feel inside. It's what you feel like in your heart and in your head, just like the language that we used when they were younger. But it's something personal. It's something that's unique to you. It's something that you get to decide. Gender expression is what you share with the world, how you dress, how you act, what you're interested in, what you put out there. And that, again, is your choice. It's something that you can change from day to day. It's completely up to you. Sexual orientation is who you are emotionally and physically attracted to. And so that's how we talk about it with the kids and introduce them to it. Hey, do you want this in your schools? We're not going to forget about what your agenda is. We're not going to forget about your bad governance over the past several years, which materialized unbelievably fast. There used to be like a five to 10 year period before you saw the effects of bad governance. If somebody raised taxes, it would take a few years for that to be felt. Over the course of the pandemic, time got shortened into extraordinarily small bites. And that meant that as soon as they said defund the police, the murder rate just went up immediately. As soon as they said we're not going to enforce the law, massive homeless surge. And so all of the, the cause and effect became very, very clear. We're not going to forget about that because we saw what happens in real time when your policies are implemented. We're not going to forget what you did. But here's the thing we're really not going to forget about. What your ambitions are, what you guys would like to do, take control of all aspects of our life, from our banking to how we raise our kids. We understand the agenda. And if you don't, if that's not your agenda, forcibly disavow it now. If that's not your agenda, explain why it's not your agenda. Don't just tell me it's not your agenda because I don't believe you. I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama was anti-gay marriage. Right? So, I, I, no, I don't believe you. I want, to explain, I want you to explain philosophically why that is your position. Otherwise, I don't buy it. Okay, the simple point is that when politicians say they are for or against a thing, unless they can explain why they are for or against the thing, they're probably fibbing. So all I ask from Democrats is if you wish us to believe that you have changed your minds, explain why you've changed your minds. Because otherwise, I just think that you're lying in order to garner votes. And most Americans feel this way as well. Because again, the policies continue apace. I mean, right now, you have schools that are, that are actively discriminating on the basis of race. And, and we're supposed to believe that you guys have changed your agenda. And then you trot out the, the media to, to pretend that this is a conservative's pounce issue. As my friend, my friend Andrew Clavin says, the rule in the media is when, when the right does something wrong, the story is the right doing something wrong. When the left does something wrong, the story is Republicans pounds. This is the latest article at the New York Times along these lines. Quote, when school started last fall at one of the nation's most competitive and prestigious public high schools, the incoming freshman class looked different by design. Compared with previous classes at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Alexandria, Virginia, there were more black and Hispanic students as well as white students, but fewer Asian students. That is because standardized testing that had once been the key to admission was eliminated. Top students were admitted from a cross-section of schools. Weight was given to poorer students as well as to students learning the English language. Now those policies are at the center of a federal lawsuit filed by an organization called Coalition for TJ with the aid of the Pacific Legal Foundation, a conservative group that is taking on public high school admissions and has filed similar lawsuits in New York and Montgomery County, Maryland. If the lawsuit prevails, it could block future efforts at elite public high schools that are trying to diversify their students by race and income. Wen Fa, a senior attorney with the Pacific Legal Foundation, said the changes made to the admissions criteria for the class of 2025 were merely proxies for race. So, says the New York Times, this is the new push by these evil, evil conservatives who are noticing that race discrimination is now very common on the left. The left is going to continue with this stuff. Why? Because they can't even explain to you why they shouldn't. And the impacts of these policies are going to be felt for generations to come, which is why you are starting to see people across the aisle at center-left people. Hispanics, independents, turning very much against the Democratic agenda. Democrats thought they made the same mistake that they made in 2012. They thought that they had created a whole new universe in 2020 when Donald Trump was defeated. They thought unjustifiably that because they narrowly won back the Senate, mainly because Donald Trump intervened in the Georgia races, 
that they would now be able to cram through whatever they damn well pleased. The members of the media, the elite coterie, the people who went to Brown and Wesleyan and now staff the offices of the New York Times, those people decided that they got to run all aspects of your life and that all of their friends who are the staffers at these bureaucratic agencies and at the top of these radical nonprofit organizations, they would get to restructure American life. This is what, listen, Joe Biden campaigned on this. This is what Build Back Better was. Build Back Better was all about the idea that we were going to remake all aspects of American life, whether you liked it or not. Guess what? They got their chance. And the American people don't like what they see. That's why 2022 is going to be hideous for them and it should be hideous for them and they deserve every single thing that they get in 2022, in 2022 which will include losing the House and I think will include losing the Senate as well. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Again, here is your reminder. You should check out thirdthursdaybookclub.com because tonight we're going to be going over Huck Finn and I will announce next month's book as well. It's a beautiful set. It's a great piece of content. You get to interact live with me on these books and really learn about them with me. It's really a blast. In the meantime, go check out The Michael Knowles Show. That's available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our production manager is Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Crand. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Slate publishes a defamatory article about your favorite podcast host, yours truly. Democrat polling shows that culture war issues are big winners for Republicans. And China censors friends, proving that even a stopped clock is right twice a day. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hey, 